Judgment Day. 
bright day coming, there's a bright day coming by and by. But its brightness shall only come to them that love the Lord. Are you ready for the day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment stand please and sing number 22 at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light everyone taking part in singing in the spirit sing the second verse, I'd like to have every man in the house sing that chorus, will you? I'd love to hear your fine, manly voices at the cross. Come on, every man singing out, and you sing with us in Radio Land. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, the burden of my heart rolled away. Second verse all together was Give us the chord, and as you sing it, turn around and shake hands with as many as possible. Give everyone a royal welcome all together. Heaven, turn right around and shake hands. With us, friends in Radio Land.
Mrs. Fuller with the letters. Go right ahead, honey dear. Greetings, friends. Some good letters this afternoon. One from Wisconsin from a man who wrote us some time ago in great discouragement. He said, Dear Brother Fuller, you remember the letter I wrote you telling you what a sinful man I was, being a thief, a drunkard, and everything evil. Tonight I am writing to tell you that I got your letter and the tracts you sent me. Thank God I have found him and have accepted his precious salvation and have real peace in my heart ever since. Thanks, Brother Fuller, for your sincere help. Words can't express my feeling of thankfulness to God to be freed from that load of sin which was crushing me. I'm studying my Bible as best I can and am so happy. Dear Brother Fuller, I'm a soldier and I listen to your hour regularly. During the war, I heard you out on many of the remote islands of the Pacific. And oh, it was a real spiritual inspiration that you brought. You seemed to have a special blessing for each of us boys who were so far away from home. I recall one evening I was passing through a native village, and I heard a group of natives who had obtained a radio, and they were singing with you as your songs of Zion were coming out over the air. It almost made me ashamed to think that they, who a comparatively short time ago were mere cannibals, today, because they have heard the gospel, worship God, perhaps even more devotedly than we do. Signed, yours in Christian love, just a soldier. And here is a lovely letter of encouragement to Mr. Fuller from a minister in Kansas. Dear brother, I heard a part of your program this afternoon, which I love. 
and think it to be one of the finest of all gospel programs. Everywhere I go preaching, I find many listeners to the hour, and people tell me how greatly their lives have been blessed by the program. I tell you this for your encouragement, for I thought I noticed a a note of weariness, even discouragement, as you brought God's message this afternoon. I know the responsibility and burdens must be great in carrying on that work, and I just wanted you to know that I've been blessed through your preaching of the gospel of love. Some preach of strife and some of vain glory, but, Brother Fuller, I know you preach with love, and you have my prayers. God bless you. Isn't that a nice letter? And here is just a scrawl from Bridgeport, Connecticut, but it touches my heart, and I pray for this man. Dear sir, I love to hear your sermon. God bless you. Signed, Just a Drunkard. We don't know what story is back of this letter, but we know there is response to the gospel there, and we pray that that man may find victory in Christ. From the Philippine Islands, dear Reverend Fuller, I am in the United States Air Forces, stationed at Nichols Field, Manila. And I hear your broadcast every Sunday night. It does me so much good. I used to hear you when I was at home, never missed a Sunday. You preach like my pastor back home, and we need it so bad over here. And this last letter is from ADAC, Air Base in the Aleutians. Dear Reverend and Mrs. Fuller, I am a soldier on this little island off the mainland of Alaska. Due to weather conditions here, we spend most of our time inside listening to our little radios. Tonight I was listening to the old-fashioned revival hour when suddenly I realized what had been missing from my life all these years, and I knelt by my radio and prayed. Through your preaching, Reverend Fuller, I have found my Savior. I have found God at last, and now he will lead me along the narrow path of life. I know there will be treacherous rocks along the wayside, but he will keep me from falling, and I feel so good about it and safe. Am I glad I'm a Christian now? Please pray for the boys and I that are stationed on this little island. We will be listening every Sunday night. And friends, I wondered if the quartet couldn't sing, um, we'll soon be done with troubles and trials, for all the lonely people, the people who are far from home, and particularly for our servicemen out in the lonely places. Some of these days I'm going home Where those sorrows ever come We'll soon be done We'll soon be done with troubles and trials Safe from heartache, pain and care We shall all that glory share And I'm going to sit down beside my Jesus Lord, I'm going to sit down and rest a little while soon be done. We'll soon be done with troubles and trials. Troubles and trials in that home. Yes, in that home on the other side. On the other side. And I'm going to shake glad hands with the elders, Lord, and tell my kindred good morning. Then I'm going to sit down beside my Jesus. Lord, I'm going to sit down and rest a little while. I shall behold his blessed face, I shall feel his matchless grace. We'll soon be done, we'll soon be done with 
troubles and trials. Oh, what peace and joy sublime in that home of love divine. And I'm going to sit down beside my Jesus. Lord, I'm going to sit down and rest a little while. We'll soon be done. We'll soon be done with troubles and trials. Troubles and trials in that home. Yes, in that home on the other side. On the other side. And I'm going to shake glad hands with the elders. Lord, and tell my kindred good morning. Then I'm going to sit down beside my Jesus. Lord, I'm going to sit down and rest a little while. Going to sit down and rest a little verse of what a friend we have in Jesus. Number 40 in your song sheet. Let's stand and sing. You're listening to the old-fashioned revival hour coming to you from the Municipal Auditorium in Long Beach, California. It's one verse of what a friend we have in Jesus.
bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee today that Thy ears ever open to the cry of the righteous, that is, those that are righteous through Christ, clothed with His righteousness. For we have no merit of our own. In ourselves we're lost and undone, but we thank Thee that through Christ we have access to Thee and the way is open. And may many come today through the one door of entrance through into the household of faith, receiving a person into their heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now to those that are in darkness, in distress, in despair, despised perhaps by many around, may they just kneel and look up into thy face, for thou dost care for us and care for them. And may they come and be comforted today, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. be speaking upon the latter part of the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians again, but before I do, I'd like to have the quartet sing, especially for those upon the sunset of life and for those who have recently laid a loved one away, the pearly white city.
ago I spoke to you upon verse 13 of the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Paul, in writing to the Thessalonican believers, said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And we learned that this word asleep refers to the body, not to the soul, because the soul and spirit are conscious in between death and resurrection of the body. Last week, or last Sunday, we spoke to you upon the 14th verse. Paul's laying the foundation for that hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, basing this hope upon the two cardinal truths of our Christian faith, the death of Christ for our sins, dying as our substitute, and rising again from among the dead, the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Christ. He said, if you believe that, then you can believe that even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And now today, speaking very briefly upon four things found in verses 16 and 17, we find these words, the return of Christ, the resurrection of the believer, the reunion of the believers, and the reception that we will have some day when we meet the Lord in the air. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, 
that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. The great fact is this, that when the Lord comes back, the return of Christ, we'll find just in a moment that the dead in Christ shall arise first. They're going to have the great honor of knowing what the touch of the resurrection power will be. And the dead in Christ shall arise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be uh, with the Lord. Now, first of all, I want to speak to you very briefly upon the return of Christ. One of the great truths of the Bible, you remember the Lord at the Last Supper speaking to his disciples just before the morning of Calvary, as recorded in the 14th chapter of John, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or resting places, nesting places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, now notice no higher authority than these words spoken by Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Christ, speaking to his disciples, said, I will come again. And then he goes on to say, And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And then you remember the morning after the resurrection, how he walked with his two disciples on the road to Emmaus and unfolded to them the things in the Old Testament concerning himself, and how their hearts did burn within them. And then forty days later, walking with his disciples upon the Mount of Olives, they came to him and they said, Master or Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom unto Israel? For the Old Testament prophets had prophesied the sufferings and the glories that should follow. They did not realize, as it was later revealed, that there would be quite an interval between the sufferings and the glories. And so he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but I want you to wait in Jerusalem and become endued from on high with power, for after ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now while he was speaking and has spoken these things, he, Christ, was taken up. And while I haven't any authority for it on the basis of the Scripture, I believe that these two men that spoke to the waiting disciples were perhaps Moses and Elijah, the two that appeared with Christ upon the Mount of Transfiguration. And while the disciples looked steadfastly toward heaven, as Christ went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. 
And we're saying this unto you by the word of the Lord. And then in the 16th verse of the 4th of Thessalonians, now notice how careful the Holy Spirit is to put this here in such clear, unmistakable language. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And one of the very last warnings that the Lord gave to the disciples was this, beware of false Christ. Some coming saying, I am the Christ, follow me. And so we have the words here, the Lord himself shall descend. And from the first chapter of Acts, from the time of his ascension, for the past 2,000 years, he has now been seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting, waiting for the word to be spoken by the Father when he will arise, come back, and put the last enemy, death, under his feet. And in the meantime, these past 2,000 years, the witnesses have gone out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Paul and Philip and Peter and many others have gone out carrying the glad tidings to the four quarters of the earth. And now notice how God through these past 2,000 years is calling out a people for His name. And then after that calling out, according to the 15th of Acts, he said, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven, the place that he has gone to prepare for us. And now we are told the manner of his coming very plainly. He's coming first with a shout. And that word shout is a military term. The captain of our salvation giving his orders to those that are in the grave, that is the bodies that are in the grave. And I believe that we have a prefigure of that at the time that Christ stood by the tomb of Lazarus, when he said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth, bound in the grave clothes with a napkin over his eyes. And that was just simply a prefigure, a type of the greater out-resurrection from among the dead. And someday the world will hear a shout but will not understand because we are told in the 10th chapter of John, my sheep know my voice. And may I say this to you, that when Paul was on the road to Damascus and converted there before he entered into the city of Damascus, it is recorded that those that were with him heard a noise only Paul understood the voice. 
The world someday, and it may be today, I don't know. The world will hear this shout, but only those who have been washed in his precious blood, reconciled and loosed from their sins by the blood of Christ, will understand that shout. And when that shout takes place, the dead in Christ will arise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now notice, not only is he coming with a shout, but there will be the voice of the archangel. Now I'm not very well informed on military terms, but I do understand, or have understood rather, that when the general or the commanding officer gives the order, it is passed down to the next officer in rank, and from there down to the captain and to the lieutenant, and then down to the sergeant. And when Christ, the captain of our salvation, comes with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the leader of the angelic beings, will also give a command to the angels to come and witness this great fact of the out-resurrection of the bodies of those now held by the enemy death. And then, will you notice, with the trump of God, and in the history, the trump of God has been used on many occasions, especially in the life and the times of Israel. When the trumpet of, was sounded, it was a signal for their holy convocations in the days of old. But I believe this reference here goes back to a time um, based upon something that happened in the Roman army at the time Paul was writing to the Thessalonican Christians. When the Roman army, after a night of encampment, uh, was to, about to be on the march, a man went forth into the camp and sounded a trumpet. Those that were in the tents were awakened, and they came from their tents after dressing and put the tents down ready for the march. That was the first trump. The second trumpet sound, the men of the army gathered in their respective companies, awaiting the orders to march. And then the third and last trumpet sound, the orders were given the march. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says at the last trump, the sounding of the third trumpet, will we who are members of that great army, under the command of the captain of our salvation, we will march in orderly fashion up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That trump of God has another significance, for I believe with all my heart that when this last trump sounds, not only will the church be gathered together to meet him, but it will be a signal to Israel, the feast of trumpets, if you please, when they will be gathered together as a nation. 
and the very fact that we see Israel going back to Palestine, some of them coming in by ships wading into the shore, anything to get back to Palestine. And right now with the United Nations Conference, the great problem before them is the division of Palestine. I want to say to you, God's Word says that Israel is like a fig tree. And when the fig tree begins to put forth its bud, you know that summer is nigh. Likewise, when you see some of these things, the march of Israel and the longing in their heart to go back to Palestine, I believe with all my heart that we're about ready to hear the last trump sounded along with the voice of the archangel and the shout from the Lord himself. Someday I hope that we'll have time to go into some of the signs of the nearness of the Lord's return. Now notice, what will be the order of the resurrection, the first resurrection? For I believe with all my heart that the Bible teaches that there are two resurrections. The first resurrection, the resurrection of all true born-again believers. And then a thousand years later, the resurrection of all wicked dead who will appear before the judgment of the great white throne to be punished according to the deeds done in the body. Now listen. The first resurrection. Blessed are they that have part in the first resurrection. Will you notice the word? The dead in Christ. That's very significant. Now you may not like this. But you're either in one family or the other. And God's Word tells us that there are two families, spiritually speaking, in the world today. The family of God, born again ones, who have had the experience of the new birth. They are members of the household of faith and sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But if you are not born again, even though you are very moral and upright, which I hope you are, if you are not born again, you belong to the, your father, the devil. Now, that's plain speaking. And this refers here in First Thessalonians to those who have de- died in Christ. And in your natural state, you are a member by relationship with Adam, your federal head. And in that relationship, you are in spiritual darkness, dead in trespasses and sin, without hope. And be you ever so a wonderful citizen, a wonderful husband, and even a church member, unless you have passed out from under the kingdom of darkness and been translated by God's power into the kingdom of His dear Son, you are still without hope and without Christ and without God. Dead in trespasses and sin, a child of disobedience, energized by none other than the prince of the power of the spirit of darkness, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. 
I want to wake you up. It isn't a question of what you've joined. It's a question of whether you are in Christ. And to be in Christ, listen, God's Word says there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. And to all in the past ages who have died in the faith, whose bodies are asleep in the grave, but whose soul and spirits are in heaven, clothed upon with the eternal tabernacle, the bodies of all who have died in the faith will be raised incorruptible, for corruption must put on incorruption. And they will come forth first. And I've often wondered as I've gone by cemeteries and seen the graveyards over the country, riding by car or by train, I've said to myself, I wonder how many from this graveyard, how many bodies will come at the first resurrection. Only those that have died in Christ. Then we, which are alive and remain, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump, we shall be changed. And John says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. If you think you have to wait until you get to heaven to find out whether you're saved or not, I feel sorry for you. I know that I have passed from death unto life because I have received Christ into my heart. And John tells me and tells all of us who are in Christ, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And so you have the return, the resurrection. I wish I had time to speak upon the reunion. In the little word together, we'll be caught up together. I love that. And when the children of Israel went out from the land of Egypt, up towards the Red Sea, God tells us that they went up harnessed. And that word harnessed means that they went up in groups of five. And five is the number of grace. And they went up in fellowship, bound together in the bonds of fellowship. And previous to that, God had told them to take a lamb for a household. Listen to me. God loves the family. And I believe with all my heart that when this great army of blood-washed saints, the dead and the living, are raised and chained, that God is going to permit the families to be harnessed, grouped together by His grace, and caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And mother, that body of your son that died in the faith may be out there on a lonely island in the Pacific. I don't know. But if that boy accepted Christ as his personal Savior, and that shout in the voice of the archangel 
and the trump of God should sound right now, I believe God would permit you, a living believer, to be reunited with your son and you'll be caught up together. Amen. Oh, what a wonderful thing it is to have this blessed hope. But let me say this before we close. And I want you to be very attentive. In what family are you today? Are you in the family of Adam? The federal head dead in trespasses and sin? Or are you in God's family? Through Christ. There's no middle ground. Choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Will you pray with me as I deal for a few moments with the friends in Radio Land? Listen to me, father and mother, son and daughter, wherever you are. There's no middle ground. You're either in Christ or you're still in Adam. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. These things are spiritually discerned. And you need to have the experience of the new birth. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. God says, now I'm not willing that any should perish. All things are ready. I have provided the innocent, provided the innocent substitute that if you'll accept what I have done for you in the person of my son who died in your place instead and let him in, receive a person into your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. You will pass from death unto life and become a new creation. How about it, friends, in Radio Land? Will you just deal by your radio and look up into the Father's face and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake, and receive me. For God says, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. And while our heads are bowed and Christians are praying here in this great visible audience in Long Beach today, how many will quickly put up their hand just before we go off the air and say, Pray for me. I want to accept Christ as my personal Savior and like to be remembered in the word of prayer. Will you put your hand up any place in this audience and say, Pray for me. I'll wait for you just a moment. God bless you back there. Is anyone else? Put your hand up. God bless you over there under the balcony. God bless you down here. God bless you here in the center. Up in the balcony to my right. Anyone put your hand up there and say, pray for me. Anyone quickly. I only just a moment. Yes, God bless you. In the balconies to the rear. Anyone there? Just put your hand up and say, pray for me. I want to accept Christ. Yes, God bless you. Balconies to the left. Anyone there? Put your hand up and say, pray for me. Yes, God bless you back there. Any place on the lower floor, anyone else, just before we go off the air on the old-fashioned revival hour, anyone else, put your hand up and say, Brother Fuller, remember me in a word of prayer. I want to accept Christ. God bless you. Yes, God bless you back there. Pray with me and remain for the altar service. Let's continue in prayer. We'll remember these who have raised their hand very definitely after we go off the air for an altar service. And you friends at radio, pray with us. We trust for God's grace to be with you next Lord's Day on the old-fashioned revival hour. If the Lord tarry, this is Charles E. Fuller, director of the hour, bidding you goodbye. I'm God's richest blessing. Let's continue in prayer as we go off the air. Oh,